Design it, craft it, smith it, stitch it, tool it, and pick it. We do it all. This is Bespokelahoma. Musical intro by Allie Harder and Pig Spy Shop out of Oklahoma City. Welcome to Bespoke Lahoma, broadcasting as always out of the Traditions Leathercraft Studios, 7500 West Reno Suite 200 in the one, the only Oklahoma City, which I, <laughs> I, I am loving being back in Tulsa. I won't talk smack, but I am loving being back in Tulsa. Um, so looking forward to the holidays, we mentioned last week, Casey has got the Finish Good Room decked out with all of your last minute Christmas shopping needs. Uh, there will also be a couple classes upcoming. Our good friends Dee and Alan Cope from 1019 Leather are going to be doing uh, like a holiday doorbell making class it really cool with a piece of leather with some jingle bells super festive uh there will be two classes to choose from saturday the 11th so that'd be this saturday from 1 to 3 p.m or wednesday next wednesday the 15th from 5 to 7 p.m both classes are going to be at traditions and the class fee is the cool cool price of ten dollars uh traditions also has uh all the goods if you would like to make your own christmas stockings um casey got a super slick christmas stocking clicker die and has the product and cutouts available if you want to make your very own christmas stocking that is all the goods out of Tradition Leathercraft. Yeah, uh, I wish you had that clicker last year because I, I cut my own out and oh. I made like two of them. I was like, I don't want to make these. I'm done. <laughs> if, I, if I had the clicker, I probably would have made a whole lot more. But Tony made a bunch of them. I don't know if she used his clicker. but uh, She uh, must have, yeah. But uh, she made a bunch and I think she almost sold all of them. Nice. Yeah, they're they're sweet. They're nice. They're very big and roomy and he's I know he's clicked a lot of them out of cowhide. Mhm. Yeah, that cowhide's the best. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready? Do you have anything else? That is that is my spiel for this evening. Oh, uh I'll say one one thing. Um I'm not sure if people will listen to this by the time it happens, but tonight, which is what today's the December eighth, yep. at eight o'clock tonight, I am supposed to be going live with Nina and Coy of uh, Cider Ranch. Sweet. So, if are you guys I, just shooting shooting the shit, or what are you doing? Uh, I think it's something like that. She didn't one hundred percent tell me. I she, love those guys. She said, Have a blast. Yeah, she said, just uh, message me. We're going to talk about your small business. I was like, all right, cool. Perfect. So eight o'clock tonight on Facebook, Facebook Live. It's the Made of Ranch group. So Side uh, of Ranch. Side of Ranch. What did I say? Made of Ranch. Which <laughs> is fun, too. I would love to be Made of Ranch. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's all I got. Um, Our guest tonight is? Katie. KD Burr of southern grimoire how are you doing tonight katie hey i'm doing great thank you so much for having me no problem um so thanks for being here yeah <laughs> sorry it's been a long day no i i feel you <laughs> it's that time of year where everybody's brains are just a little bit fried mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh so why don't you tell us about your your business how you got into it and then we'll go from there my business is southern grimoire and it is kind of a mix of all kinds of different things the business actually started out as a podcast which surprises most people but i know it won't surprise you because uh, <laughs> you have listened to it um i started doing um 
a lot of events and meeting a lot of people whenever I was doing podcasts. Uh, and I had a lot of strange and unusual uh, jewelry uh, and accessories. And people would always be like, where, you know, where did you get those? Where do you, where do you get your items? Uh, and I made most of them. So uh, people started offering me uh, money. And eventually I decided that I should try to capitalize it uh, on it and make a jewelry business happen. And now I have ended up doing art and jewelry more than I have uh, the podcast even. It is still up. Um, but I focused more on creating. Uh, that actually led to me doing festivals and events, uh, you know, selling my wares there. Uh, and I met my friend Chelsea, who became a business partner. And now we put on our own festivals and vending events um, for small businesses. So it all came about in a very unexpected way, which was me basically just recording by myself in my house, talking about spooky stories, um, legends and haunted history and stuff like that. And then eventually developed into me making spooky jewelry and spooky art. So grimoire, I'm not familiar with that word. What, what is that? So grimoire is an old word with French origins, basically for, um, a spell book, um, or oh, okay. um, the way that I used it in my podcast and I explain it um, early on in some of the episodes is that a grimoire in this context was stories that had been passed on by my grandmothers and my mother to me. Uh, and I kind of have continued that vibe with adding art and jewelry to my collection, even though it's not a book, you know, in that sense, I want it to be things that have a magical feeling that can be passed down, um, you know, from mother to child and uh, just like my mother and grandmother did with me. So are you still doing the podcast? When did you start the podcast? Oh, goodness. Um, so I started the podcast, I want to say it's been over three years ago. Um, I still have it up online currently. Um, I mean, I still get hits on it. I have not posted any, gosh, any new episodes in quite a while with the pandemic. I started homeschooling my children and that really eliminated a lot of the quiet time that I had for recording, <laughs> um, because they're here all the time. Um, so I really haven't, um, I haven't done much of that. Like I said, I keep it up. Um, I post about, especially on Facebook, I post about the cases and the stories that I've covered um, just because I want to continue to get visibility for those. Um, but I was, gosh, it was this, actually this past year, I was on an Oxygen episode of Killer Siblings talking about one of the cases that I worked on and that I ended up doing a podcast episode over. So I'm still doing... Um, some podcast related things like that I forgot that you were on that yeah, yeah that <laughs> it was, was it was pretty crazy <laughs> <laughs> do you do you plan on going back to doing it or doing the podcast I really would like to um it's it fun is it is fun it is just so time consuming and with my the way that I did my podcast um there was a lot of editing involved uh, and a lot of research, a lot of script writing. Um, so it took up a lot of my time. I really took for granted like how much free time I had before the <laughs> pandemic. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe I can get my ba children back in school and get some free time to work on it because I've got a lot of stories. I've like, I continue to read. I've continued to do research. I've got a ton of things that I'd love to talk about and a lot of stories I'd like to tell. Um, so I would like to say, yes, I, you know, I would like to keep the podcast going for sure. Yeah. Your, your podcast was actually one of the very, when I started listening to listening to podcasts, yours was one of the first ones I started listening to. Thank you. I appreciate that. Aww. And you've given me a shout out on the show. So I mean, yes, <laughs> <laughs> cryptids episode. Yeah. 
So I used to do a podcast that I did way too much preparation and editing on and have since forlorn that because I have a baby now too and kids take up an unbelievable amount of time. So it yeah. kind of the podcast that I was doing kind of got pushed to the side as well. But this one, like we say, it's totally live. We don't edit because nobody has time and it makes it <laughs> it makes it a lot more fun because there's no there's no scripting pressure. There's no editing pressure. It's just what we get, we get. And it's it's a lot of fun. See, I, maybe I should try to look at like changing the format. I'm one of those people that sometimes I'm just so awkward. <laughs> or, <laughs> like, you know, or I'm like, in my head, what I had to say sounded really good. But now that I've actually said it out loud, I'm like, oh, my Lord, no. <laughs> I, wish, we- I wish I could take that back. <laughs> We have many excusable brain farts on this show, especially as busy as everybody's been. And mm-hmm. and we were kind of under the weather there for a little bit. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot flies. So so you have switched gears then to the jewelry. Tell us right. about your jewelry. I have, I mean, I obviously have thoroughly creeped your Instagram by this oh, point. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but go ahead and tell our listeners about, about what you make. I have always been really fascinated with insects and bones and all kinds of basically creepy stuff. Like Halloween is a large part of my personality. My my house is decorated for Halloween (laughs) all year round inside and outside. Yeah. Um, Like it is, it's always Halloween over here. Um, So I like to look at things in nature and keep them as close to, you know, like their natural form or what they would have looked like in life whenever I make jewelry. Um, So I have a process um, using resin where I preserve uh, insects like butterflies, moths, beetles, cicadas, you name it. Um, I can preserve them to where they're durable enough for wear. Um, Like you can knock them against the wall or the table. I do that as my whole little presentation thing when I'm out vending. Um, But basically it's taking insects and specimens that you could normally just crumble in your hand and then making it where you can wear it and where it looks, you know, almost like it's alive sitting there on you. Um, I just, they really do too. Your insects especially look like, like it just crawled off of a branch. Seriously. See, I love, that's exactly what I'm going for. Like I, I love nature. Like I love, I love all kinds of creepy crawlies. Um, so I just think it looks like really, really fantastical and enchanting. Like whenever you can just, you know, look like some kind of whimsical insect has just posed itself on you. Um, I've done like tiaras and crowns and things before. Um, also like with insects. I just, if it looks like something that you would wear, like in Lothlorien, <laughs> like, the, <laughs> like I wanted to, to look like at home, you know, in a fantasy, uh, novel or something yeah like the the kind of mm, not medieval what is the word i'm thinking of um almost like i was it's like almost like at the red like something you'd see at the renaissance fair um, yeah it is kind of renfest um yeah renaissance i guess uh kind of deal i like some of the stuff that you've done with the porcupine quills it has like a very kind of like dragons and game of thrones feel to it right um gosh i i would have to really go like far back but when i first started making jewelry like i said this was three or four years ago um i did some like great game of thrones inspired pieces and those actually did very well um but i love like i love using all different kinds of mediums um but insects are my favorite, but like, I also use bones. I use all kinds of like crystals and gems. Like you said, porcupine quills. I use badger claws, fox claws. Um, I just made, um, a pair of earrings, um, and I use aquamarine and metal and cat bones, tail bones, like, uh, from a cat. And a lot of times I try, like, I like to use them in unexpected ways. So whenever you're looking at the piece, you're like, that's really beautiful. That's what is that? And then when you look closer, you're like, oh, wow, that is entirely made out of bone. Okay. Is that bones? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just like making something like unexpected, beautiful. So any type of person would look at it and be like, wow, I, I really like that. Not necessarily just like an alternative or like a witchy style person. I like to make things that anybody would admire. Anybody now, with an appreciation for nature, for sure. Right. Yeah. Now, where do you 
get everything. Like, do you just go walk out in the woods and, you know, look for bones and bugs? Or do you have like a, is there a website? Do you have a deal? Do you have a source? Do you have a dealer? Do you have a bug dealer? (laughs) The answer is actually a little bit of everything. Um, I do find a lot of my own specimens, um, basically just through like foraging. Um, we're really lucky that our backyard here is giant and it has a lot of trees and plants that are natural attractors to, um, or for like butterflies and moths. We have sweet gum trees, which are kind of a pain in the butt when they drop the gumballs all over the yard. But, um, (laughs) our sweet gum and our milkweed attract all types of moths and butterflies. So, uh, a lot of insects live and die just here on our property. Um, Lucky is kind of a weird word for it, but in my case, it is. Uh, it is lucky. Um, and then, like for cicadas, this is Oklahoma. I find them all the yeah. time. Perfect. Um, I am also very lucky because I have amazing friends. Uh, whenever they see something, uh, you know, like I'll have friends be, "I found this butterfly on my walk," um, or I have even more dedicated friends who'd be like, uh, "I found this raccoon on the side of the road, and I threw it in the back of you." <laughs> You know, do you want the bones? I'm like, you know, I do. Um, in my backyard, my husband built what we call the dead box. And basically, it's a natural decomp station um, for me to put, you know, animals that we found and foraged so they can have time to naturally decompose back there. And then I typically will, you know, use elbow grease and peroxide to clean and whiten the bones whenever I'm ready to use them for for jewelry or art. Um for more like exotic specimens, things that, you know, you're not going to find in the United States. Um, I do use, um, various dealers that I've met in groups online. Um, I will be honest, however, I am starting to phase out a lot of those just because it's gotten to the point where it's really difficult to be sure if those people are actually getting their specimens ethically. Um, so I've really kind of changed, uh, you know, like the criteria that I use for, uh, for who I'm going to order from. Uh, cause unfortunately, like I said, you, sometimes you just can't guarantee that those specimens were procured ethically. So, uh, as much as I can, um, I try to make sure that the things I use are, are things that have come from around here that I found myself or that have come from somebody I know. Yeah. I was wondering that about the, uh, the emperor, emperor scorpion. Uh, right. That, is really cool thank Uh, you gosh it took forever to make (laughs) so do you actually encase the whole creature in a case like that do you encase the whole thing in resin yeah um and basically it's like really really it's like a it's many tiny layers Um, yeah thin layers just to try to keep the color uniform to try to keep the shape the same and then doing it enough to wear like I said, it's durable and you're not going to accidentally crush it. Um, do, you, do you sit there and brush the stuff on or like just immerse So it, like I have a process um, and it kind of differs actually depending on the, on the insect um, because e- each insect surface is different. Um, so I have to have a different method for each. Like you have to be a lot more careful with like butterflies and moths because they're so thin. Um, and really any kind of liquid on their, um, wings makes it so heavy that they can rip. Um, so like what I do for them is different than what I do for things like beetles and cicadas, like that are a little bit tougher. I don't go into detail mostly because I have a ton of people trying to copy what I do. Oh, that's fine. Um, We totally appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it is absolutely a process. Um, that I have for every like good piece I make, there's at least two things that I have screwed up because, (laughs) because I, because I haven't moved fast enough or, um, I decided to go too heavy with a layer. Um, so, uh, there is like one thing I would say, because I do have a lot of people message me all the time wanting to get into resin work because it is a lot of fun. If you're going to use it, make sure that you're doing it in a well ventilated area, um, and using a mask you don't want to get it on your skin um a lot of people are selling resin right now like in michael's and hobby lobby um and you're not really like getting the information about how dangerous it can be especially for like prolonged exposure so 
would say anybody who wants to get into it, it is a really fun hobby and a good way to make art, but there's a lot more to it and it's a lot more of an involved process than, than you would see on the internet. It's a chemical reaction, right? Yeah. It, so, so you've got the fumes from that chemical reaction. And basically the entire time it's curing. And this is something that I did not learn when I first started. It was something that I learned afterwards. Um, the curing process that entire time, um, there's a process going on called off-gassing. And that's basically that piece is giving off gases that you, you know, can't see the entire time that is drying. Um, and basically it's almost like cyanide. Um, oh, what it gives oh, wow. off in the air. Um, there are groups that you can go on, like that you can find on Facebook and even on Reddit and stuff. That's like epoxy and resin, like exposure groups. And, uh, you know, it's wild. It's wild. Oh, wow. to look at. Um, so it is, uh, like it can be very dangerous if if good you are PSA careful. for the craft. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are like, I found this, you know, like I went and bought this whole kit at Hobby Lobby, so I'm sure it's probably fine, it's safe, and then they'll, you know, let their their kid do it with them. So I would not, you know, I'd probably not advise. Wouldn't that. advise that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do your you have do you have kids? Yes. Do you do they do any crafting with you? Or do they have in, interest in the insects? Um, so my oldest is extremely artistic. Um, he is more of like into drawing and painting, but he does like to be involved uh, involved in my artistic process. Uh, my younger one, he likes insects and he likes catching them, but as far as being involved in jewelry making or art, he really doesn't have he really doesn't have much of an interest. He's um, into procurement only. Yes, like <laughs> he's wild. He's like Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. Like <laughs> he's he all about nature and animals, but in the at most absolute insane way. Uh, but then you know, like my oldest, he's 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 extremely artistic. Um. In, in everything he does. And he's like, he's very good at like, he likes to match the colors to things. Like if I'm using um, different gems, different jewels to put on different um, insects, he'll be like, no, you, you shouldn't use that color. You should do this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and usually he's right. So. Oh, how fun. I always love when we have people on this show that are able to, to kind of pass down and, and involve friends and family in the process it makes it a lot of fun I, I I really like it a lot we like to um we'll go on like a lot of nature walks and a lot of like hikes together um me and the kids to try and and find even if we find like um different plants or things that are interesting I'll use that in my artwork um as well we'll like come back here and and press it and preserve it um but yeah definitely my friends and family are involved in my art in like a lot of different ways like I said I it always means a lot to me when I get a random message. It's like, hey, I saw this dead thing and thought of you or, you know, <laughs> um, I, I like a lot of my friends who are artists, you know, we're all really good about looking out for each other. Um, like I said, me and my friend Chelsea, we have um, a festival. It's called Festival of Freaks. Um, and we have it twice a year. We use um, it's basically all Oklahoma vendors. Uh, and a lot of those vendors are how I end up getting my specimens. Um the folks that we use to make our t-shirts um, and that sell t-shirts at our events every year, I can count on them to deliver a Tupperware full of cicadas and butterflies and moths and stuff that they found for me out on their property in Claremore that they've just been collecting all year, you know? And then the one time a year they see me, they're like, you know, here you go. We saw this and thought of you. And then I'm set for months on. Um, oh, how cool. So yeah. it's special to me. Cause like I said, I can, you know, I can say like, these specimens were ethically gathered. You know, these were all dead when they, you know, when they were found. Like, I, I found them on my aunt's property. Or my best friend found them on her grandma's farm or whatever. I can tell you exactly, like, where that piece came from. And I think that's neat. So did did y'all start the Festival of Freaks? Yes. Or? My friend oh, Chelsea. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, me and Chelsea Bowen had actually vended uh, next to each other at um one of the oddities and curiosities expos and we just really hit it off um and then started talking about you know like we had a great time with the oddities expo um and it's still one of my favorite events to go to um but we were 
kind of looking into doing something more oriented towards family, um, Mm. having something that represented more, um, we offer a range of products that have, um, a lower price range, basically starting at a lower price range. Um, I know like with her art, with Chelsea's art, um, and with my art, a big thing with us is affordability because, when we were growing up, we would always want to, you know, collect art, collect jewelry that we liked. And we would look at the price tag and be like, oh, man, this is beautiful, but but we can't afford this. So our whole thing is trying to walk the line between making something beautiful, making money, keeping our business going, but also being really accessible to everybody in this area and being really affordable. And, you know, we want everybody to be able to enjoy our items and enjoy our events. Um and it's been, you know, our events have been a pretty big success so far. Everybody seems to have a really good time. And I know all our vendors are usually happy. So it's well, been I can good. appreciate the affordability. I've been, I think it was a Renaissance Festival. I don't think it was the Oddities and Curiosities. I have not been to that one yet, but that is on my to-do list. What, mm. the next one's in yeah. April? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's on my to-do list. But I think it was a Renfest and there was a, there was a booth where they like had made scenes out of bones and there was one under a glass dome and it was a mouse skeleton that was like peering up and sniffing a rose and I was like oh my god I need that and then it was like $2,800 and I was like maybe I don't need that right so so that's what I love about your stuff is that you really do have the accessibility of just those cool little pieces you know I'm huge on like the little things that bring you joy and and to be able to send somebody home with this awesome little curio that brings them joy is Mm -hmm. what a blast Exactly. See, I'm glad that you appreciate that and that you see that. Like, that's that's what it's about for me. Because like I said, there are so many times that, like, I would see something that I thought was absolutely magical and I never would have been able to afford it in 100 years. So, you know, I come home and I try to think, you know, could I create something, you know, in my own vibe that, like, made me feel the same way, that's similar in a way that could be affordable for other people, you know? And, and uh, I think, you know, I think I have a pretty good variety of products like that for people, like whether they're, you know, looking for a snake or a hedgehog or, uh, you know, uh, any type of insect, you know, under the sun, I have most of those things. I was looking at your spider web pendant and that was the one that I was like, how did she do that? Because I have never done anything other than wad a spider web up into a tiny ball on my face. So I was <laughs> super curious how you managed to get a spider web in a pendant. So that is one of the activities that I actually was able to do with my children. Oh. Um, we have a bunch of orb weaver spiders in our back. I mean, oh, we have yeah. a lot of spiders in our backyard, um, but we've got a lot of orb weavers. Um, and so if you're familiar with orb weavers, you know, they're the ones that have the really giant, beautiful webs. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty much we would spray um, the web um, and unoccupied an unoccupied web. So no spiders were harmed. And maybe <laughs> um, no homes were stolen. Right. Um, so you spray it with like spray paint um, and then we would use, we use different types of paper, um, but basically just like a really thick or like fancy card stock. Um, and then would just come behind the wet spider web. It's almost like there's got, there's probably an easier way to do it. Um, but really we just got the motion down to where like when the spider web was wet, we just pressed it quickly, like against this cardboard paper or card yeah. stock paper. I mean, um, and then it would be stuck to it. And then after it had dried, um, sufficiently then I would spray it with like a sealant and then after that I could cut it into shapes and work with it as long as you're like delicate with it um and you're careful like not to disturb it too much or peel it off the paper then I would go through the whole process of preserving it in resin and and making a pendant um but yeah actually actually getting it like on the paper I think it would be really easy for people to get it like on the paper and then maybe like frame it um or do some sort of artwork like that with it uh so it, yeah, it's and one if of you could find a, 
a whole like intact orb weaver because they make spectacular webs. Yeah, they do. Um, we like, have a we really have cool a lot to of do them. a giant one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is if you could get like a poster board size piece and capture like the entirety of the web because we have we have a number of different kinds of orb weavers here and most of them are smart enough to put their webs up high right but every once in a while you'll get one that is like directly at face level right <laughs> which is really bad but it would be really good if you were trying to capture a web that is um you That's may have given idea. me an idea here katie i may have let to me know how it year. goes <laughs> yeah yeah of course all of ours are pretty much occupied we have very very busy orb weavers i'm gonna end up getting a video message That's pretty much i'm gonna get in trouble trying to do this this is gonna be a mess but how cool so Festival of Freaks, how you said you do it twice a year, so we said? Yeah, we had been doing it. We we need to get back to doing it twice a year. We don't we've only had one this year so far. The pandemic really screwed us up. Um when we first started, it was one in Tulsa, one in Oklahoma City. Um and then like I said, the pandemic um kind of messed up our schedule. We just had one in Oklahoma City. Um I am totally blanking out now. It was right before Halloween. Um, thanks. <laughs> my husband was helping me out. <laughs> um, I actually was unable to attend because of another thing that I offer through Southern Grimoire. I'm actually an ordained minister now, and I've started oh. doing alternative weddings. So I do like wedding packages. I don't like I can officiate, um, but then I also I'm offering like I've got a lot of um, spooky witchy wares for decorations and such for weddings. Um, and the, the wedding that I did on the day of Festival of Freaks, I was the officiant. I did the centerpiece. I did all of the bridal jewelry. I made a tiara. I know there's some other things I'm forgetting. Um, but basically, my husband was sent to Festival of Freaks to be me for the day and to help, to help run that. Um, so I've had the candle burning at both ends for a while. <laughs> I'm lucky yeah. if I even know what day it is. Um, but yeah, so that's another thing um, that I'm doing is trying to to get the wedding side of things going um, or not even just that, like any, any type of event, of event, I guess. What are some of the vendors that you have there at Festival of Freaks? I know there's probably more than you can remember, but like some that you like might know. Um, off so off the top of my head, um, Blood, Sweat and Tease. They are oh. the ones. Um, I love them so much. Um, it's my friends, Eric and Brittany own it. Um, and they, print t-shirts um and their original designs are amazing i can you cuss right i can cuss on here right okay yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> um i really wanted um i really wanted an aggressive t-shirt for the pandemic and they made me a aggressive t-shirt yeah <laughs> they made me a samuel l jackson six feet motherfucker shirt and nice. it's like it's so well done like it's so funny it's so readable from <laughs> from a very far distance, <laughs> um, like I wore it to the zoo to take my kids. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> I, take my I have that shirt. Uh, they also uh. did some really cool ones. Um, not for this past festival of freaks, but the one before. They made a special line of T-shirts. Um, that was all um original um like cult horror movie villains um i have like the one of ghostface from scream but they did like a whole a whole line of them that were really interesting um pretty much if you want like anything spooky or irreverent um or funny they've got um really amazing designs another vendor that we have um that we feature is geek eclectica and obscura my friend David he makes all kinds of things um he does like a lot of miniatures like Dungeons and Dragons and various mm. things but he also makes um journals like the bindings he oh, made yeah. he made a journal cover for me um basically he uh printed out the um like a old copy of like the latin exorcism rites and like antique the pages and then made a cover that looks like uh winifred sanderson's book from hocus pocus and he covered it for me but he does wow. that with all kinds of things you know like he does it for journals um but really like honestly any copy of any book he could print out and bind and do for you but yeah i've got a spooky 
exorcism rights copy that he made for me um he has like a lot of themed items um like for people who like harry potter people who like doctor who pretty much like all those popular fandoms um he has things like that i'm trying to think of some if you'd asked me any other time i would have been able to name like 50 uh oh it's, it's okay you don't have to name all of them. i'm just curious <laughs> that you know like a couple you know but we have all we do we like we've got we've got all different kinds of things um at festival of freaks like whether you're you know looking for art hang on your wall you know or you know like fun little fandom items to be gifts for your friends or you know like i've got my jewelry we've got like ceramics and pottery like i said my friend chelsea bowen she's my partner she's the one who um whenever the festival is in festival freak or is in oklahoma city i mean she's the one who who's like running all of it um she makes amazing pottery um i've got a mug from her that basically looks like a it looks like a toadstool <laughs> like oh, it, cool. it's, it's so it's so realistic looking oh gosh how could i forget she also made me a coffee mug that is an exact replica of the flagon um in skyrim from the ragged flagon and it has like it says like guild master on it she's and she's it's got like really? the thing on it yeah um and it looked like i said is the exact replica of the flagons that they have like down there oh, in the game. Cool. um and it like it's amazing like i said she can make anything uh and is open to customs all the time. So try to throw out my friend's work as much as, much as I we can. We are all for shameless promotion oh, on yeah. this yes. podcast. Yeah, it's so hard this time of year too. I mean, like with the pandemic, uh, you know, and it's like close to Christmas time, everybody wants to buy gifts, but doesn't necessarily have a lot of money to buy gifts. So like shopping local and shopping with small local artists is the way to go this year. Mm-hmm. It yeah, absolutely they... is. Yeah, they... It's actually been a really busy year. <laughs> good, good. For Christmas orders and what, whatnot. Um, what are, I mean, you do awesome stuff already. Is there like an animal or an insect that you haven't turned into a piece of jewelry yet that is like, I want I've to got- do one of these eventually? Yes. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely have some on my list. Um, like I said, there's some things that I haven't done just because sometimes I've found specimens and I have, like I said, I haven't been able to guarantee that they were gotten, like gotten ethically. And so I don't feel good about working with those, but I have always wanted to work with a white witch moth. Um, they're giant. Um, and they're, I'm never going to be able to describe them very well because it's basically their pattern is like white on white, um, but it's just very, it's very intricate. It reminds me of embroidery almost. Ooh. Um, oh, I think wow. it'd be a cool challenge for me. Um, making those, making those bigger pieces, especially is really, really hard um, to get them durable and to work, uh, to work on a whole piece without uh, like, there's been times with big wings that I'll try to work on it and I'll end up ripping it. <laughs> um, because, you know, like I said before, I've misjudged how much resin to use or I've mistimed something um there's like a lot of bones just for reference folks this is a moth the size of your face yeah yeah (laughs) they're so big (laughs) i stopped and i had to look it up and that i googled it too (laughs) yeah you you can see like i feel like it's hard to tell sometimes in pictures but like how their wings are giant but just like the markings on their wings i think it was i think they're so beautiful it almost Um, looks like like a white tie-dye like that's right Yes, that's yeah. a good way to explain it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. And I've never, like, I've never come across one. Um, so I've never gotten a chance to use one, but I've just always, I've always liked those. Um, there are some skulls that I wish that I could get a hold of to do bigger display pieces with. And that's something I need to post more pictures of because I do a lot of display pieces. And I don't post them because I can't ship them very far. Um, they're mostly like local pickup and delivery only. Um, mm. but I really want like a ram skull or something with just absolutely gnarly horns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, gosh, even some sort of like springbok or like antelope or, or something. I would like to work, work with something. I'm doing, um, a display for a friend right now. He ordered a custom piece with a death head moth. So um, I have a deer skull with antlers that I actually got from another friend um, that I'm whitening with peroxide. 
and I want to preserve and display the death head moth on the deer skull. Um, but I'm using a melted candle on the forehead of the skull as like part, um, like as like the focal point. And it's, um, oh. it's a candle made by another artist that I know. So basically it's like what we were talking about earlier. Um, it's going to be a piece that has been made just because like with a bunch of items from my friends. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to picture a death head moth on a deer skull. That sounds fantastic. I really want to like place it on the upper snout and then like on the forehead portion, it'll be like the candle. We basically were trying to design it together. My friend and I, like he wants it for a piece on his altar and he wants it to look like, it's something that has been like used in a ritual. So that was one reason like we to wanted kinda to do age it a little bit. Yeah. And... Yeah. So like, want, like the dripping wax on it and like the candle and then um, do some like aging on like the skull itself. But yeah. So I do like a lot of pieces like that um, as well, but that's something, you know, like if, if you come to my shows and you stop by my table, you know, you get to see some of those pieces, but I don't usually post a lot of those. So um, I was obsessed with this show on Netflix called The Repair Shop. Mm-hmm. And it is it's British, but what they would do is people would bring in like antiques and family heirlooms and stuff and repair them. And there was one where they did a teddy bear and to age the white fabric that they used for this teddy bear, they actually used coffee and tea to kind of get it that like antique mm-hmm. white kind of color. I, uh, I'm i having a blast just thinking about all the projects that you do. Just because like I live in the country. So we have like lots of nature and critters and stuff. And I've always had a bit of a fascination with skeletons and stuff too. So, so let's. You have tons of art supplies then just, just waiting for you to use. I have a question too about your uh did you call it your your death box what did you call my it? dead box yes your dead box <laughs> so did you <laughs> supplement it with any creepy crawlies i have always wanted to get some cadaver beetles yes yeah, something like the dermis beetles yes yes just to have just because i think they're cool but you have to feed them regularly so what do you have any yes critters in your box we there are critters in my box, but they're ones that were already there naturally. Natural critters. Um, yeah, natural critters. Um, there are just like I said, for whatever reason, we're lucky. There's just like a ton of bugs and various flora and <laughs> fauna in our backyard. Um, I do know people who use dermistid beetles. Um, but like you said, it actually it's kind of sometimes it can be more more it's work. A thing. Um, yeah. I, I know a friend who like had successfully used them for a long time and then ended up having a freeze and all of them, all of them died. Um, and she had to start over. So, um, oh, no. like I know making sure like that they have, you know, have the right temperature and all, you know, it, like any other animal, like keeping, um, like a reptile or, or a fish, you've got to make sure everything is maintained properly. Um, and I'm kind of lazy. So <laughs> well, having the dead my... box is like the lazy way to do it. See, and I was going to get some, but, uh, cause they would really come in handy. Cause you know, um, uh, my husband hunts. And so I was thinking about doing some of our own mounts. Um, but like I said, you do have to keep them fed. So the ultimate reason that I didn't do it was because I was afraid that like, we wouldn't have projects and I'd have to like Edgar Allan Poe start killing things to feed <laughs> the Beatles. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to do this. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, your skull pendants <laughs> enough about my weird no, things that I want to try uh, <laughs> your skull pendants are those skulls that you have also are those, do you do the same process with those as you do with the insects or it's an actual skull that you've coated with uh, resin um, so it is it, pretty much the same. Um, they are real skulls. And then um, I do go ahead and um, coat them with like a resin or epoxy to make sure they're just extra durable. Um, the bones are obviously, um, they're, they're stronger than the insects are. Um, but I still just like to make sure that everything I have um, is going Last. to be something. La- yeah, that lasts. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really hard on my jewelry, particularly um, with the lifestyle I lead with my two children. Um, so pretty much it has to pass my test. <laughs> like if it's something that uh, would survive uh, a few days on, on my person, then it is durable enough for me to send out into the world. Um, I did want to say, though, if you are going to start um, your own your own bones and cleaning, uh, you can use sodium percarbonate. That is okay. something that I have not purchased myself yet, but it was recommended to me by like a legit taxidermy artist, somebody somebody whose level like I hope to reach one day, because um, she told me that I was wasting my time with uh, peroxide. You can buy large bags oh. of sodium percarbonate, and she said that it like that is what you want for large projects. So if you're looking at doing like mounts and things um, from stuff your husband has brought home, you might want to check that out. Yeah, that would probably be a little lower maintenance than beetles. It is too. very low maintenance. <laughs> put it in like a tub. Get like one of those giant tubs that you would use for like putting away clothes in your attic or something. And then you can just throw the bones in there, pour the sodium percarbonate on top of it, and then, and then just wait. <laughs> See, and I live in the country, so there's nobody to ask questions about bones in tubs. So right? it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you can just do mind your own business. Yep, yep. Don't worry about what's in the tub. Have a nice day. <laughs> so, have you done any work with uh, with fossils or or any any of thing like that? Um, gosh, I have a lot of really cool fossils that I need to use. Um, I just did a couple of pieces with ammonite fossils. Um, I really like working with those. I had some that had been opalized, so they were really beautiful and brilliantly colored. Um, and those are like the spirally yeah. shell things, right? Um, but I also have some trilobite fossils. I have, um, I have a mosasaur tooth. Um, I have Spinosaurus teeth um, oh. were a gift from a friend. Um, pretty, pretty much, like I said, I'm so lucky. Like a lot of my friends are just like, hey, I found this really weird stuff, super cheap. And I thought that you needed it. Um, I've got um, fossilized, like I've got a fossilized dinosaur egg um, that I would love to do. Really? It'll probably end up being like some kind of display because it's way too large to make into jewelry. Um, but like the claws and the teeth that I have, I could easily make into something neat. Um, like pretty much anything like that. Oh, I have Darwin glass. Have you heard of Darwin glass? No. Every, everyone was losing their mind over Moldavite, which Moldavite is very cool. Like, um, but basically like Moldavite and Darwin glass, they're tectites, which... Um, just means that they are made out of materials that came off of an asteroid or a meteor. Um, so I have some crystals um, and they're Darwin glass and they are um, stones that were formed after a meteor hit a crater in, I believe in Africa, the ones Ooh. that I have. Um, so I have, I have some of those as space rocks basically. Um, yeah. that I've got some jewelry. Um, I've got human bones that I would like to make something out of and just haven't yet. They're just like sitting around. Now, how did you manage that one? Um, you can get, you can get human bones legally, uh, in a variety of places. My, uh, finger bone and skull shard. I got actually from someone at the oddities expo. Um, but then some of my other human bones, I got from a shop called the bone room. Um, okay. And you can look them up online. They're sold out of a lot of things right now because it's the holidays. Um, but they have like a lot of really cool things. Um, Bone room. On that site. Um, if they have any left, um, I thought it was really cool. They were offering these like little collections of various items that were found in this ghost town in Arizona. So it was pieces of like very old like pottery and like matchbooks um coins like different things that they had found in homes like in this old ghost town and i thought that was oh that is cool so i was like i could you could make cool jewelry out of that you know like this is somebody's plate from you know 1875 or something (laughs) um you know so but they have like a lot of they have a lot of cool things like that so it's a neat place to check out if you want a gift for somebody with unusual tastes (laughs) i'll uh i was gonna ask if uh 
did you know about the uh, the white-tailed deer law in Oklahoma? No. Is this some? This is probably something I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, I, I don't remember the specifics, but like the short of it is like you can only sell like deer antlers mm-hmm. that are not attached to the skull plate. No kidding. And, oh, and okay. I have seen, I was at uh, the Junk Hippie in El Reno a few years ago, and these ladies had a booth, and they had a whole bunch of different stuff, but they had three big buck skulls that they had, like, blinged up and painted turquoise, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, and about an hour later, I saw the game warden walking out with them. No. Yeah. Because they were trying to sell them. I believe it though. Um, But I mean, that's, that probably comes from a place, place of, of ethics, because if it's not on the, on the skull plate, it's most likely a shed. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of things like that. um, Like lots of rules and stuff that you have to be aware of, like um, particularly with birds. Um, like with the Migratory Bird Act, um, mm-hmm. most bird species are protected. So, um, like if you're seeing birds or something in my uh, work, those are typically something that are from out of the United States. Um, really? Or, yeah. Um, like I have, I use rook bones um, and I've gotten a lot of those. Um, I've gotten some from friends in Russia. Um, and then I've got um, somebody that I buy things from sometimes in the U.K., um, but basically, uh, when I do use bird bones, it's from birds that are like considered a nuisance or a pest, mm. um, or like you can use, uh, like starlings, they're an invasive species, you know, like that aren't, that aren't native over here. Um, so like birds like that aren't protected, but most migratory birds over here, like you wouldn't be able to use in, in our, at least not legally. Hmm. Even if yeah. you find it dead, is yeah, it too risky? You, yeah. Even if you find it dead, um, which is, you know. I see it. On, I see it on one side and on the other side. I don't see it. I hate to see something and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I could use it," but it's not. It's not worth the risk. Like owls um, and hawks and things like that. Falcons. Yeah. You. You know. You can't. You're not supposed to use those. There are like some. There are some really obscure laws and like loopholes, but you know, overall, it's it's not worth. You know, like you're saying, doesn't it's not worth getting raided by the game warden. <laughs> I know I was looking into doing um, some things with like hawk and eagle feathers and kind of decided against it because if I remember correctly you had to be able to prove to an official like how you procured it so like if you went right. walking and found the feathers you would have to actually find some way to prove that it was right. a found item and it's like well that seems like a lot of yeah that's a lot of work well yeah with with eagle feathers like i could be way wrong but i i have a friend who's native american and he could have just been pulling my leg (laughs) but it's possible that is very 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 possible uh but i was told that like native americans could possess hawk and eagle feathers I think you might actually be right on that. I think there is different, yeah. but that that's from a federal right. kind of level. Right. Yeah. And like with deer meat, you, you cannot sell or trade deer meat or any, any kind of wild game, wild game meat. meat. Yeah. You can't sell or trade. You Interesting. Donate, but... See, and that's something I'm glad that you brought that up KD. Cause that's something that I wouldn't have thought of right off the bat was the, the legality of right of the craft interesting um, it, it was something like that i you know and i didn't even know about like this this deer law so i learn all the time um i'm in like a bunch of um groups for people with similar interests you know people that are yeah that are into taxidermy or you know like just like bones for decor or whatever that's how i learned about the migratory bird act um because somebody was like, well, I found like a robin and I went and they're like, nope, you absolutely cannot. And Don't not. do that. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God, OK, well, good to know then. <laughs> um, um, and then, uh, gosh, but 
if you're interested in things like that, like joining those groups and seeking them out, you know, like on Facebook or, or Reddit or, or whatever is really helpful. Um, like there's just so much random things, so many random things to learn. Um, because I see armadillos all the time and I really wanted to grab an armadillo and work with one, but apparently they carry leprosy. It is like a rampant problem in the armadillo community. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like extremely, extremely careful. And I don't know if like, I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, handling an armadillo with leprosy. So now like, I don't even, (laughs) but it's not even worth it. (laughs) Yeah. But if I had not been warned about that, then I, my, you know, my happy, you might be a leper down by the, yeah, (laughs) in a trash bag, like, you know, like free bones, (laughs) you know, because I didn't know any better, you know, like um, there's like all kinds of stuff like that. Cause I, you know, like I never would have known that or thought of that if somebody wasn't like, Hey, no, you, you don't want to pick up random armadillos. So one of my favorite, uh, favorite like foraging and like roadkill stories was I went to college in Stillwater and it had been, you know, I got wrapped up in college life as a freshman. It had been a while since I had been back home. And like I told you before the podcast started, I just tell everybody that civilization drops off in between Stillwater and Tulsa and that's where I live. And, uh, one of the first times that I went home while I was in college I was driving down this back highway to get home and stopped at a stoplight and there is these two old gentlemen with beards overalls and no shirts on like under the overalls cutting the tail off of a dead raccoon on the side of the road and I was just like it's beautiful to be home Oh my god, only in Oklahoma. <laughs> only in Oklahoma. Yeah, it was it was priceless. Well, Dustin, do you have any more questions? <laughs> um uh, I think that's about all I have. Uh yeah. Maybe, I think we're about out of time. Like, yeah, would you like to plug your, your business podcast? Yeah. And where sure. can we find you? Um, thank you guys for letting me ramble for so long. Um so probably the best way to find me, I um am Southern Grimoire on Facebook and Instagram. You want to spell uh, that? It's uh, S-O-U-T-H-E-R-N-G-R-I-M-O-I-R-E. Grimoire. Um, I love that you, word now. Thank you. People are either <laughs> like, that's really interesting. I like that. Or they're like, I am never in 100 years going to remember whatever that name is. Um <laughs> If you are into TikTok, I do have a TikTok. Um, it's Bugsy Burr. Bugsy is my nickname for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> so you can find me uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. I am doing buy one, get one half off the closer it goes to the holidays. Uh, and that does include custom pieces. So if there's like a bug or an insect or a skull that you've really been wanting and you don't see it on any of my pages, then message me because I might have it. Cool. Awesome. Oh, speaking of TikTok, I uh, right before we got on, <clears throat> I saw a video, and it kind of correlates with yours. This guy he had uh, took borax and <gasps> boiled it and put mm-hmm. a deer head in it and made borax crystals all over this deer head. What? They're really cool. I will say, borax like borax crystals are beautiful. Um, they over long periods of time they tend to like disintegrate those aren't like so they're not like necessarily great long term if you're going to do that you're gonna want to use like some sort of sealant or something to keep those durable and intact on the piece but that is super cool um i love seeing stuff like that there's an artist here in tulsa named tyler thrasher that puts um like he has a scientific process of adding crystals to insects and bones it's not it's like a lot more intense than the than the borax method um but it does look pretty similar but his work is beautiful another local artist to check out you said tyler thrasher yes um he um like i said he's got a whole scientific process um that he does to get the crystals to grow um and they're also pretty pretty delicate as well but super gorgeous very cool cool. well we have learned and laughed so much on this episode <laughs> of Bespoke Oklahoma. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank yes, you so thank much you. for having me. It was great. Okay. Dustin, are you going to bad dad us? Oh, of course. Of uh, course. So, 
you know, divers, you know, like the people that go and go underwater and look at stuff. Scuba divers? Scuba divers. Do you know why they fall backwards into the water? I think I have an idea. <laughs> Tell us, Dustin. Because if they fall forward, they fall back in the boat. Oh my god! <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, join us next week for Bespoke, Oklahoma. Y'all have a great evening. Bye. 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 I said it once, say it again. How many times I told you? I know this stuff because I'm from the great state of Oklahoma.